Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of Bagoon's Barrage, the State of New England podcast with me, your host as always, Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. The Bagoon. Well, I've got a real good one for you today. We'll talk about whether or not Brad Marchand can actually win the Hart Trophy. Here's a hint. If he keeps playing the way he is, uh, yeah, there is a good chance he'll do so. We'll also fill out an NCAA tournament bracket and discuss why. But here's the thing. We have to start with the Patriots offseason. Now, a little bit of a backstory to why this podcast is going up later in the afternoon than originally planned. I was supposed to get up today, write an article. Did that, and we'll talk about that article as well. But got up, wrote the article. I was then supposed to have the coach's interview for the game I was broadcasting on Saturday. Well, that coach's interview got pushed back to 1.30 this afternoon. It ended up being a real good one. Matt Greeson of the Trinity College Bantams, who are in the quarterfinals of the D3 Men's Ice Hockey Tournament. He is always wonderful to talk to. Yet another great interview with him earlier today. But because that interview got pushed back, I couldn't press record on this podcast until after 2.15. And what happened at about 1.35 today? Oh my goodness. Donta Hightower resigns. Yes! With the New England Patriots. It is an awesome day to be a New England Patriot fan. I call this the State of New England podcast because I always talk about New England sports teams. I talk about the Boston Bruins, the Celtics, the Red Sox, although we really haven't hit on the Red Sox all that often yet because it is still spring training. We'll really get into gear with them once the season starts. But we've also hit the New England Patriots a couple of times. And what is going on right now with the Patriots and their offseason? As I mentioned in the article written two days ago, Bill Belichick has gone full William money. Bill Belichick wants his vengeance, and he wants it now. If you come after Bill Belichick with something like Deflategate, you better make sure you do not miss. The NFL, Roger Goodell, they all missed, and now Bill Belichick is coming for his scalps. He wants you. He wants your wife. He wants your children. He wants your dog. He's going to burn your house down. The Patriots and Bill Belichick right now have a legitimate chance of going 19-0. and And that's just not crazy old Jake talking because I'm such a massive homer, which I am. I try to be objective. I try to use statistics. And here's a statistic for you. Las Vegas, their super book, had the Patriots going 19-0. and The probability, the odds of that last week. 40 to 1. Pretty good odds. I, I would put some money down on that. Well, it is down to 26 to 1. They dropped the odds by 14 points. That's how good this Patriots offseason is. The odds for the Patriots to go 19 and 0 this upcoming season dropped 14 points. That was earlier today. That was before Donta Hightower was re-signed by the Patriots. Four years, $43.5 million with $19 million guaranteed. He deserves every single one of those pennies that is going his way. Yes, he does have some injury issues and staying on the field, but with Hightower, he is a gamer. He had the big tackle to stop Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line in the Seahawks Super Bowl that preceded the Malcolm Butler interception. 
and he had the strip sack in the Super Bowl against the Falcons that preceded the real turning point. Bill Belichick said it after the game. If you want to look for one big turning point during the Super Bowl against the Falcons, you have to look at the Donta Hightower strip sack. So Hightower, while he only played, I think it was 67.5% of the snaps this last season, when he's there, he is an absolute beast. And now the Patriots, who have added Stephon Gilmore, who have added Coney Early, who have brought back Deron Harmon, who have brought back Allen Branch, and now also who have brought back Dinta Hightower. Holy... Mm, mm. <gasps> the best scoring defense in the NFL last season, the New England Patriots. What have they done? They have improved on defense. One of the best offenses in the NFL last season, the New England Patriots. What have they done? Oh, they'll get Tom Brady, barring injury, they'll get Tom Brady, knock on wood, for 16 games in the regular season, and they have added Brandon Cooks. All the Patriots have done is gotten better at every single position. The only person that people are worried about right now with the New England Patriots, it's Malcolm Butler. But here's the thing. Because the Patriots put that first-round tender on Butler, if he gets an offer from another team, that surpasses anything the Patriots want to do, the Patriots get that team's first-round pick. So that first-round pick that the Patriots gave up for Brandon Cooks with the Saints, they get a first-round pick back. They will actually get a better first-round pick than the one they had prior because guess what? When you win the Super Bowl, you have the worst first-round pick. So if somebody else wants to pry away Malcolm Butler, it's going to take a first-round pick. And if no teams want to do that, guess what? Malcolm Butler either has to sign the RFA, the Restricted Free Agent Tender, and come back to the Patriots, or never play in the NFL again. There's no two other ways about it. Yes, the Patriots can trade him, but he still has to sign that tender in order for the Patriots to trade him. If he doesn't sign it, he is a Patriot until he plays one more season, or he never plays again. That's how it works in the NFL. So the Patriots are set up superbly well. And from my own personal standpoint, I am so happy that the Patriots got Donta Hightower because yesterday, at about this time, the Patriots signed Rex Burkhead, who has a fantastic name, yes, but he's also a really good player. Running back for the Bengals, good at running, had more than 100 yards in the Week 17 game for the Bengals on 27 carries. He's a good pass-catching running back. And he can play special teams. This is a quintessential Patriot. Now, here's the rub, at least from the people outside of New England. Rex Burkhead is white. <gasps> oh, my God. You're telling me Rex Burkhead is white? And he's a good running back? And he's a good pass-catching running back? And he can pass-protect? And he can play special teams? But he's white? <gasps> How dare he be white? Deadspin who once Gawker got that whole thing with uh, Hulk Hogan and lost their battle, and they are now bankrupt, Deadspin has gone off the reservation, okay? They used to do really good reporting. They were fantastic, actually, during Deflategate. But ever since the Hulk Hogan saga with Gawker, they're gone. They're done. 
And they've got this guy that writes for them. And I use writes in air quotes right now. But they've got this guy that writes for them in Samer Califf. I, I, I don't care if I pronounce his name correctly. He's an absolute heck. It's not worth me looking up how to pronounce this guy's name correctly. I'm a play-by-play broadcaster. I try to make sure every single time I say somebody's name that I'm pronouncing it correctly. Okay, I felt really bad because I said Dante Hightower when we had Jack Abbott on. It's Dante. Okay, there is no E in there. It's Dante Hightower, right? That's boom, right there. This Samer, Samer, whatever, Caliph person could not care less about how to pronounce his name. He's an absolute hack. I believe he went to the University of New Hampshire, and he's got some New England ties. I think he's claimed to be a New England sports fan. But whenever he writes about the Patriots, whenever he writes about the Boston Bruins, it's just hackery. He's a blind lumberjack at the keyboard, all right? He's just hacking and hacking and hacking away without any thought as to what he's producing. It doesn't matter to him what the actual caliber of the player is. Rex Burkhead is white, okay? So he goes and he does a screenshot, and he puts a post on Deadspin, and it it says, Big effing surprise without the effing, all right? I'm not going to swear. I don't have an explicit label on my podcast for a reason. I want everybody to be able to listen to my podcast. But he, and you can fill it in yourself, big effing shock that the Patriots signed Rex Burkhead uh, and just his player profile shot where he is white. Okay, and then I click on the article. I know it's clickbait. I don't care. I want to see what Caliph actually writes in the article. Click on the article, and what is there? Nothing. It's just the picture and the little story that he's quoting. There is no actual story, but it's just the picture of white Rex Burkhead, okay, otherwise known as Rex Burkhead, and that's it. That's it. That's the, that's the story with still the headline, big effing shock. All right, you're a hack. Do something better. I know you're trying to troll, but guess what? I am absolutely going to take the bait. When you do something that is this obvious and this stupid, this inane, and you're implying that the Patriots are racist because they wanted to sign a really good running back at a great price, the the contract is going to be less than 2% of the Patriots' cap. Okay, 2% of the Patriots cap, and they have gotten a guy that can not just run well, not just catch well, not just pass protect well, but also play special teams. That is the quintessential, quintessential New England Patriot. He can do everything and does everything that his coach, in this case, Bill Belichick, and his GM, in this case, Bill Belichick, asks him to do. But here's the thing. When you say big effing shock as your headline, And when you don't write any article along with it, and you just post the picture of Rex Burkhead, who happens to be white, completely ignoring the fact that he is a fantastic football player that can be had for a very good price, a wonderful bargain, the thing that makes the Patriots the team that they are and is giving them a legitimate chance to go 19-0 this upcoming season, so much so that the bookies in Vegas have dropped the line by 14 points on whether they can go 19-0. You completely disregard this fact and just say, oh, look, the Patriots signed a white football player. That is a dangerous thing to do, and I'll explain it. You're implying that the Patriots are racist because they have the gall to have some white receivers 
because they have one of the most prolific and will more than likely go down as the most prolific postseason wide receiver of all time in Julian Edelman, a guy that also is a dangerous punt returner and does whatever he wants and can throw a football when the Patriots need him to, as in a couple of years back against the Baltimore Ravens. They have the gall to have somebody like Danny Amendola who has caught a touchdown pass in each of the last two Super Bowls that the Patriots have played in, and they relied on him so much and trusted him so much that when the Patriots needed the two-point conversion to tie the game 28-28 against the Atlanta Falcons, they went to Danny Amendola. They have the gall to have a guy like Chris Hogan, who is a burner and who they got on tremendous contract and was one of the best players for the Patriots in the postseason. They have the goal to have three white receivers, three white wide receivers. So what you think is important, Sammer, is the color of the guy's skin. And you imply that the Patriots are racist because instead of looking at the quality of the player, you are looking at the color of his skin. That is dangerous. And that is what is really wrong in this day and age with a lot of people. Calling somebody a racist, implying that somebody is a white uh, supremacist, is these are things that are, are getting tossed around as if they do not mean anything. The more I talk to people about subjects like this, the more I realize either people do not care about the definitions of the words they are actually using, or they care and they still go ahead and use them despite the fact that they are clearly and factually incorrect when they use them. This is dangerous. When you take something like implying the Patriots are racist, when they are inherently not so, you make everybody else who is actually a racist and actually engages in these deplorable acts, you make that more common. You make that more acceptable. By you calling people racist, by you implying that a team and a region is racist, what you're doing is making it easier for other people to be racist. Because when everything is racist, nothing is racist. If somebody is racist, call them out for being racist. If somebody thinks that they are superior to somebody else because of the color of their skin, because of how much melanin they were born with, if you think you are superior to somebody else because of the color of your skin, you are a horrendous human being. There is no place for you in society in 2017. The only place there should be for racists in 2017 is in debates because everybody else should hear how bad and how stupid these thoughts are, that people like this think that they are better simply because of the color of their skin and where their ancestors came from going back millennia and trying to figure out exactly why somebody is darker than somebody else. If you think that you are better because you are several shades lighter, you're an absolute idiot. But you're even more so of a numbskull when you go and on a really popular website like Deadspin and imply that the Patriots are racist, you are bringing back every single person that has ever fought for equality because you are making it harder to actually pinpoint the real racist in society today. You are a hack. You should not get behind a keyboard. Nobody should give you the chance to hit publish on any article. If you do something like this, okay, 
If you do something like this, implying that a team, that a region is racist without any factual evidence, you are a horrible person and you are an absolute hack. There is no place for that in today's society. Absolutely not. The same way that there is no place for a racist in 2017, with the exception of to ridicule them for their completely anachronistic thoughts and ideas, there is no place for racists. There is no place for people that water down the meaning of racism. And when you water it down, as I've said multiple times before, you are making everybody else that has fought for equality, that has made sure to look at a person's character instead of their color of skin, you have made it that much more difficult to differentiate between the good people and the horrible people. Because when you water everything down, and when you say everybody is racist, when they are not racist, and there is no racist act, you are doing a disservice to society as a whole. There's no place for that. All right, did I get a little bit <laughs> geared up on that one? I think I did. The final thing that I want to say on this subject is that you're also wrong. You're just blatantly wrong. Okay. The Patriots have three white wide receivers. Most prolific postseason wide receiver of all time in Julian Edelman. I already talked about Chris Hogan. I already talked about Danny Amendola. They get Rex Burkhead. But let's, let's look. Let's take a look at the rest of the offseason additions for the Patriots. Mm, let me see. Okay. Uh, let's start at defensive line. Coney Ely. All right. He's definitely, uh, he's definitely not white. Um, Alan Branch. Mm -mm, no. Stephon Gilmore. Nope. Deron Harmon. Patriots brought him back. Brandon Cooks. Off, uh, offensive side. Yep. He's in there. Dwayne Allen. Yep. And oh yeah. Donta Hightower. Okay, so where if the Patriots are racist, if they love white players so much, what are they doing getting the best players in free agency? Because apparently what you're implying is that the Patriots love white players so much that the Patriots would forego the better players in order to get the white ones. You're just a, you're an idiot. You're an idiot that is bringing society and just halting the progression. You are doing a disservice. It's a troll job. It's clickbait. Good for you. Be better than that. Be better than a troll. Have some integrity. Have some pride in what you do. Because when you do stuff like that, all it does is it tells me you're a hack. You're an absolute hack. You have no pride. You have no integrity. And you have no, none whatsoever standing when it comes to propagating your ideas. Because what you're telling me is that you just don't have the intellectual thought process and you people just shouldn't listen to you. And if you have a format and you have a platform, I should say, like Deadspin, and you use it to act like an idiot, you shouldn't be there. But it's all right, Deadspin. It's going bankrupt along with Gawker. It's all going down the tube and stuff like this is why it deserves to be so. All right, done with that. So, <laughs> so Patriots, by the way, their offseason of dominating the rest of the NFL continues. Everything is wonderful in the land of New England. And with the Patriots winning the offseason right now in a way that I don't think any other team has ever won the offseason, since maybe the Patriots in 2007, we turn to another team in New England that is winning games, and that is the Boston Bruins. 
So the Boston Bruins are on their West Coast trip right now. It's a big trip towards the end of the season. They are ensconced in the playoff standings right now in a place where uh, I said it about a month, month and a half ago. I did not think that the Bruins had any chance of making the playoffs, but now they have more than an even probability of doing so. And the reason for that, one of many, but maybe the biggest reason for that is the play of Brad Marchand. Marchand is on an absolute tear. There's no other way to describe it. And the game against the Vancouver Canucks is the best way. It's a microcosm of how well he has played as of late and during the season in general. Okay, the Hart Trophy in the NHL is the MVP award. The Rocket Richard is the guy with the most goals. Brad Marchand has a chance for the Rocket Richard Trophy. He is tied for first in the league in goals, along with Sidney Crosby with 35. Brad Marchand is currently tied for third in points with 74. That is two points behind both Patrick Kane as well as Connor McDavid. Mentioned last broadcast that Brad Marchand, unlike everybody else in the top 20, of the point standings is a probably the best three-way player, more so because he does work on the penalty kill. He has three goals and two assists on shorthanded, sorry, three shorthanded goals and two assists this season. He is always out on the ice when he's not in the box <laughs> when it comes to the Bruins on the penalty kill. Marchand has 60 penalty minutes on the season, the only guy in the top 10 that is higher than Brad Marchand is Evgeny uh, Malkin, who has 77. But Marchand, tied for first in goals, tied for third in points, does better work on the penalty kill than anybody else in the top 20 in the NHL point standings. And in terms of game-winning goals, Marchand has seven game-winning goals this season, which puts him tied for fifth along with linemate Patrice Bergeron. Jeff Carter for the Kings actually leads the league along with uh, Ricard Raquel for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Mike Hoffman is tied for third along with Philippe Forsberg for the Predators. Uh, Philip, I should say, not Philippe. Um, Forsberg. Brad Martian has a legitimate chance of winning the Hart Trophy and the Rocket Richard. Most goals? And the MVP. Now, the goals is an easy one. That's just, <laughs> let's take a look at the statistics at the end of the season. Does this guy have the most goals? Yes. He's the uh, Rocket Richard winner. No. Okay. Then he's not <laughs> the Rocket Richard winner. But when it comes to the Hart Trophy, you have to really evaluate every single thing that is going on in the NHL. So with Brad Marchand, you have to take a look at the fact that he's done a very good job, plus minus, he's plus 19. We mentioned the goals, we mentioned the points. Shorthanded, though, I think is where you might see Marshan really distance himself from some of these guys. Marshan has the three shorthanded goals and two assists. On the power play, eight goals, 11 assists, which is right in line with everybody else in that top 10. So when you take a look at Marshan and you take a look at everybody else, for most people, it is a discussion between Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. With Crosby, people take a look at the games played 62 against Brad Marchand, who has played 69. And they say, well, if Sidney Crosby played 69 games, then he'd be well ahead 
of Brad Marchand. But here's the thing, and this is something that is true throughout all of sports. Reliability and health are an absolute skill. Crosby always misses games. Now, sometimes it's not his fault. Most of the time, in fact, it is not his fault. Okay? This is a guy that has concussion issues. He gets dinged and danged all over the place because he's such a good player and because guys go after him. The opposing team goes after him as much as possible to try to throw him off of his game. But it shouldn't be in your favor that you miss seven games and have the same amount of points as somebody else. If you are reliable, that is a skill. That is something that should earn you more points. The fact that you have not missed games compared to the guy that has missed games. Cal Ripken, 2,632 straight games that he started and played in and went at least the five innings or four and a half, depending if he was home. That is a skill, okay? For some reason, and I, I don't know when this happened because guys used to skate, they used to lace up, they used to put on the gear every single day, and that used to be just how it was. For some reason, at some point within the last 30 years, maybe even less than that, maybe even the last 10 and 15 years, reliability went from an actual skill to something that eh, you can take it or leave it. But if I'm a guy, if I'm Bruce Cassidy now, the head coach of the Boston Bruins, I want to know, I need to know that Marchand is going to be on the ice every single day. He's one of the leaders in penalty-killing minutes in the NHL because he is always out there on the ice and because he is such a significant part of the Boston penalty kill, which at last look was second in the NHL. So you're telling me a guy that is in the top five in points scored that is tied for first in goals scored is also a part of one of the best penalty-killing units in the NHL? Those are things that when you take a look at the overall picture at the end of the season, you have to give the Bruins and, more specifically, Brad Marchand more credit, not less, more credit that he has played the seven extra games when it comes to Sidney Crosby. And, even more so, the how many points he has scored in the last two months. So, you take a look at Marshan and his ability to do everything on the ice, and you see that the Boston Bruins, all of a sudden, since Bruce Cassidy became head coach, are rocketing up the standings. There's a legitimate chance that Brad Marshan, if he ends up in the top three in goals scored and the top three in points, I think Brad Marshan is going to be your MVP of the season. He is that good. He is playing that well right now for a surprisingly, all of a sudden, Boston Bruins team. Okay, so the New England Patriots, they are winning the offseason. Brad Marchand and the Boston Bruins are winning games. By the way, I forgot to mention, Bruins down 3-2 against the Vancouver Canucks, and they score four goals in the third period. Brad Marchand scores a highlight reel goal and caps off the scoring with his second career hat trick. Like, th this is how good he is playing. The hat trick goal was a spinner Rooney from behind the red line, and he went, bam, right in the center of the cage. There is almost no stopping Brad Marchand right now. His skill set is so high, he is playing with so much confidence, and Patrice Bergeron is helping him out so much, along with David Backus, that right now, Brad Marchand is almost in a world of his own 
offensively and defensively for the Bruins. Forgot to mention that last fact. That would have been a boo-boo on yours truly. All right, so we've got about six minutes left here, and we'll do something uh, we have never done because the Bagoons Barrage is fairly young right now. But we'll take a look at the NCAA tournament. Now, before we get going, caveat here. Uh, I did not watch a lot of college basketball this season because most of the time I'm working during the games. I'm a play-by-play broadcaster, so that means that during the week, usually I'm calling a game the same time that UConn, the team I like, I'm from Connecticut, um, the team I like is playing. And then on the weekends, it's about 95% of, uh, of the time I am working during the game. So I did not see a lot of the Huskies this season or basketball in general. So there's a good chance that my bracket is going to be disturbingly bad this year. I always win whenever UConn is in the tournament because when UConn's in the tournament, I put UConn as the winning team, and that works out more times than not. They have more NCAA titles than any other team since 1999. What up, Jim Calhoun? All right, so with that being said, let's get to it. If you want to follow along, I am starting from the East region. I will pick all first-round games, and then I will go on from there. All right, we'll see how long this takes. I want to try to do it in five minutes. Knowing me, I don't do anything quickly. Well, no, I don't do anything quickly. All right, Villanova and uh, 116 will go Villanova. That's going to be an easy one. I like Badgers. This is how I'm doing it this year. Uh, because I haven't watched a lot, I I'm kind of pulling the – I think I'm going to go with mascot. So I like Badgers. Uh, UVA versus UNC Wilmington. Ooh, my old roommate is a big fan of UVA. But I've spent a lot of time in Wilmington, North Carolina, and it's a 12-5. And there's always at least one 12-5 upset. So let's go with UNC Wilmington. Uh, Florida, we'll take Florida. The Mustangs of SMU. And we'll go Mustangs. Don't even care about the 11-6 plane. Quick aside, all of the play-in games should be between um, the at-large teams. It should not be the automatic qualifiers. If you won your conference tournament, you should play in a real first-round game. I'm not calling it the second round. Oh, they've now switched it. Right, round of 64. That's how they, they rephrased everything. All right, Baylor. We'll take Baylor in the 13-14 against New Mexico State. South Carolina Marquette. Ooh, I... I hate South Carolina, and I like Jay Crowder, so let's go Marquette. Um, Duke against Troy. That's an easy one. Duke. All right, so that's the East round of 64. Let's go to the West now. Gonzaga against South Dakota State. Gonzaga it is. Bulldogs. I'm always a big fan of Bulldogs. Northwestern against Vanderbilt. Let's go with Northwestern, their first ever tournament, and their first ever tournament win. Notre Dame-Princeton. All right, I'm going 12-5 again. Screw Notre Dame. All of my friends love Notre Dame. That is uh, not my style. Let's go Princeton Tigers. Backdoor cuts all day, all day, all day. Uh, West Virginia, Bucknell. Huggy Bear, he gets the victory there. Maryland, Xavier. Um, Carson Kenny, the assistant SID at Trinity, is from Maryland. So let's go Maryland, even though I want Xavier in that one. FSU, Maryland, FSU. St. Mary's against VCU. Shaka has moved on, and it will be St. Mary's shocking VCU. Arizona, North Dakota, that's an easy one. We'll take Arizona. All right, let's go to the other side of the bracket in the Midwest. Kansas 
against the 16. Let's take it. Michigan State, Miami. Ooh. Wow. How do you pick against Tom Izzo in the first round? Uh, I don't. So, and the Miami team's a good team, isn't it? All right, whatever. We're taking Michigan State, Iowa State, Nevada. Let's go Iowa State. First five seed in my bracket to win. Purdue, Vermont. Ooh, Catamounts. Ah, let's take the dive. Let's go Vermont. Ugh, this bracket is just awful. Creighton, URI. URI. I'm going to take URI. The Rams are really good. Uh, Oregon, Iona. That's Oregon in the three versus 14. Michigan, Oklahoma State. Go blue. Louisville, Jackson State. Let's go Louisville. By the way, it's uh, not pronounced Louisville. If you've ever been in the area, it's Louisville. You got to get the uh in the middle. Louisville. Louisville. Uh, UNC, Texas Southern, 1 versus 16. You know how that goes. Seton Hall, Arkansas. Let's go Seton Hall. Minnesota, Middle Tennessee State. Let's go Gophers. Well, I'm the Gophers doing Margie. Oh, they'll do well first round against Middle Tennessee State. Butler, Winthrop. I like Bulldogs, so Butler gets the win. Cincinnati, Kansas State. <whistles> oh, God. Cincinnati's a, just a bear to play. Get it? On uh, the NCAA tournament. So we'll take Cincy, UCLA. UCLA? How about UCLA? <laughs> against uh, Kent State. UCLA it is. Dayton, Wichita State. Let's go Wichita State. They're a good enough tournament team. 10-7. Upset there. Kentucky. Okay. Uh, back to the east side. Villanova, Wisconsin. As much as I hate Villanova, they'll take on Wisconsin. Florida versus UNC Wilmington. Let's give it to Florida. SMU, Baylor. Let's go SMU. Give uh, the AAC, the awful AAC conference, the win there. Duke Marquette. Hmm. Let's go Duke. Duke. They're playing well, as much as I hate. Gonzaga Northwestern, move on. Bulldogs. Princeton, West Virginia. Close game there, but let's go West Virginia. Maryland, FSU. Uh, huh. Let's go FSU. St. Mary's, Arizona. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Arizona. Kansas, Michigan State. Kansas, Iowa State, Vermont, the run ends for Vermont there. Iowa State gets the victory. URI, Oregon. We'll give it to Oregon. Louisville, Michigan. We'll give it to Louisville. Wow, glad, a lot of chalk all of a sudden. UNC over Seton Hall. Butler over Minnesota. Sticking with the chalk. Ucla, Cincinnati. Um, I think Cincinnati shuts down ball. I don't think he's going to do as well as everybody thinks he is. So Cincinnati moves on. Wichita State, Kentucky. Give it to Cal. And back up now for the Sweet 16 winners. Villanova versus Florida. Mm, Villanova. SMU Duke. Duke. Gonzaga as we move to the west against West Virginia. Gonzaga. FSU Arizona. Uh, Arizona. They're a good team. They're a very solid team. Uh, Kansas versus Iowa State. Give it to Kansas. Oregon Louisville. Give it to Louisville. Sorry, Louisville. Uh, UNC Butler. Oh, man, I want to go Butler, but it's going to be UNC. Kentucky over Cincinnati. Ooh, that would be a great game, wouldn't it? Cincinnati versus Kentucky. They do not like each other. All right, back up to the east side. Villanova versus Duke. Uh, we're going Duke. Villanova does not repeat. Kansas versus Louisville. Uh, let's give it to Kansas. Yeah. Kansas it is, Gonzaga, Arizona, Gonzaga, UNC, Kentucky, UNC. So, final four, 
Duke versus Gonzaga. Gonzaga uh, takes down the Dukies, and then UNC Kansas. Ew. So my final four is Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, UNC with three one seeds and a two. Ugh, that is – I do not like how that turned out. Whatever. Uh, Kansas versus UNC and Kansas. And then Gonzaga versus Kansas for the first time. Cinderella gets the win. Gonzaga is going to be my national champion. And the score, 77-74 to 74 in honor of – wow, I put 7-7-4. <laughs> that ain't happening. 77-74 uh, to 74 in honor of the first national championship score between the UConn men and the Dukies. And in 1999, the Huskies took down the Blue Devils by a score of 77-74. to 74. Ricky Moore, the best player on the court that day, at least defensively. He was so good. Um, doing it on ESPN. Enter the All-State. Sweeps for a chance at 50,000. Uh, okay, whatever. Yeah, you can contact me. Submit my pick. You can find my pick at Bagoon13. And apparently, that's annoying. <laughs> apparently, my I was not logged in. So we have to go all the way through here. Hopefully, uh, it remembers the pick and I remember my uh, username and password for ESPN. But anyways, all right. If you want to take out my pick, I am in there. Bagoon13, Jacob Donnelly, all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for tuning in once again to Bagoon's Barrage because that will do it for me here from New England. The Patriots are dominating. Deadspin, bunch of hacks. The Bruins and Brad Marchand are winning. And my tournament bracket probably is going to be so so awful. We have a good episode for you on Friday coming up. We'll have a movie review as well as a book review, Dead Wake, the story of the Lusitania, which is the uh, British cruise liner that was sunk by the German U-boat U-20 that kind of forced America's hand into World War I. But anyways, thanks, uh, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Bagoon's Barrage. That will do it for me from New England. And as always, go New England. Yeah.